I'm OJ Ananobi of the Toronto Raptors, and you're listening to the Double Clutch Podcast. Booker going coast to coast. Nice by Gobert. Jazz come the other way. Westbrook to dance in a three. Oh. Got it. Oh. What a shot yeah. by Russ. Muhammad spins his way. Catch oh. oh. the follow. That's what I'm talking about. Jokic dumping. Harris, yes. Damien outside the step back from deep. Oh. Got it. Oh, he reeled in another one, Lamar. Oh, he's embarrassing him now. Hello and welcome to the Double Clutch NBA Podcast. I'm one of your usual hosts, Matthew Wellington. I'm joined tonight once again by Joel Helbert. Hi there, Matt. And for the first time, making his uh, his podcasting debut, we've got Tom Highland. How's it going, guys? All the way up in the Highlands of Scotland. Very true. Very true. Right. Um, before we start, what we tend to do with uh, with uh, with new people is we just uh, we generally get your your NBA background and and sort of how you. You found double clutch and, and you know why you're such an NBA obsessive. So, Tom, do you just want to give us a quick like I don't know, two minute background as to what your role is, you know, and uh, and how you found us? Definitely. I mean, um, I've sort of always been following the NBA sort of from quite a young age. Um, I originally sort of got in got into the NBA by following the Celtics when they were playing the Lakers in the I think the the '08 finals. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I was a Celtic fan from there. Like, I got my first... Uh, I went over to America when I was, like... I don't even know what age, but, like, I remember getting a KG <laughs> top. Um, and that was, like, the coolest thing ever for me. Um, in terms so like, I've always followed the NBA. Um, I only really started writing, sort of, in the last few months. Um, so, like, I started on another site. Um, and then I sort of... I wanted to move more towards, sort of, people who are actually in the UK. So... I found I found Double Clutch, and I actually Joe was one of the first people that I started speaking to when I was sort of reaching out to like other writers. So I'd like to thank him first of all, um, and thanks again for having <laughs> me on the on the podcast. No That's problem. good. We're, we're cool. It's always we're nice to ha- expand our team, really. Yeah, I was. We, we are more than happy to expand our team, especially with British people. It makes a real like we've got Jamie, who's obviously our, our fabulous uh, lead sort of producer with all his audio wizardry over in Brooklyn. Um, and he was quite impressed when he when he came over here and saw what what we were doing on sort of minimal resources and on our own time and you know the, the, it's a sleep deprived life being a being an NBA fan in this country. But basketball is certainly getting um, more and more popular. It's one of the popular games between you know certain certain generations, sort of under twenty twenty ones. It's really popular now. So we've we've kind of hit the right point. And you know what are we what are we tonight two, episode two hundred twenty five. Like we've been going five years now so it's uh it's it's slowly getting to the point where this is becoming less of a nobody was listening and more of a you know we've we've got certain sort of expectations and standards to hit so to meet those expectations and standards joe Hulbert and i thought it would be a good idea to do um division previews this year which is a bit different from what we've done before the past five seasons we have done or four seasons sorry we have done um western conference and eastern conference preview shows which probably combined as about three hours four hours um together but this year we're going to take it in turns and just do sort of a 50 to 50 minute to an hour show um breaking down each conference so tonight we're actually going to start with the northwest um division preview which is obviously in the western conference those teams in that division are as follows you've got the minnesota timberwolves Denver nuggets portland trailblazers utah jazz and the oklahoma city thunder which is obviously the home of last season's uh, regular season MVP, Russell Westbrook. So we're going to start with Minnesota because we have got a Timberwolves fan in the building. Um, I mean, do you believe the hype, Joe? Obviously, this, this summer's kind of been very Timberwolves-centric. You've had 
Jimmy Butler joining the joining the gang, finally moving away from Chicago in quite quite a stunning move, really. But is he going to be one of the guys that really kicks the Timberwolves over the edge? Because obviously last season, many predicted them to win 50 games plus. I'm certainly sure a lot of our team did when we did our season guide last year. That didn't quite work out, did it? No, we played well generally for like half the game and then we just kind of caved in. Uh, the bench wasn't very good. Rubio's problems as a scorer really sort of hurt us down the stretch. But I'm more confident this year because if you, if you look at it sort of just from a personnel point of view, we've essentially, we've got rid of one point guard, replaced him with someone who I think is, I think Rubio's better, but I think they're around the same level. And we've added a top 15 player in Jimmy Butler. So we should be good. We also added Gibson as well, who I love. I love we're kind of building this like old school bully ball team. It's going to be, we're going to be horrible to play against, which is good because we've been too easy to play against really since I started following them. Um, I do believe the hype. I think we're a guaranteed top six seed, but I think a lot of people are tipping us to be better than the Thunder, which I don't buy. I think the Thunder are more experienced and I think a five seed is our peak. So we'll probably win around 49, 50 games, which, which is great. I've not even seen us go above 500 yet. <laughs> this would have been a miserable life being a Timberwolves fan. I mean, what, 31 wins last season when everyone was predicting 50? It was a little bit underwhelming. But uh, one thing that obviously was a positive was the progression that we saw from Andrew Wiggins. I mean, he's just... Uh, well, I'm reading. This is reported that he's he's re-upped for a five-year max, which is worth 148 million dollars. Um, he had a, a really, really great year last year. I mean, he's 21 years old. He averaged 23.6 points a game last season. He finally got his three-point shooting percentage to a league average, which was great. His defense wasn't exactly brilliant, but do you think Wiggins is a sort of guy who can gel well with obviously Jimmy Butler and obviously take his game to even higher levels this season? Yeah, I think a lot of people are look. Butler and Wiggins, neither of them are lockdown three-point shooters, but people are acting like we've combined Andre Ropes and Tony Allen out there on the wings. <laughs> um, they're probably slightly above average perimeter shooters. They're not Steph Curry, but they're not absolutely useless, and I think they can coexist. Um, Wiggins' improvement last year was a lot. His three-point percentage jumped by something like 6 or 7%, and that was without real floor spacing for him. So... And another thing I will say, actually, we're going to talk about Utah later. So we're having a lot of sort of experts in, um, that's in brackets, that term, coming out and saying, <laughs> oh, you know, you've overpaid Wiggins. Even if people don't rate Wiggins, he's a top 60 player. We've been terrible for years. We're not just going to let him go because people on NBA Twitter think Avery Bradley is better than him or, you know, whoever the flavor of the month is at the moment. So, and I'm going to use Utah as an example. So Utah, when they were, sort of working around Gordon Hayward a few years ago, they lowballed him. And th that was why he nearly ended up in Charlotte. And I actually think that's that's the reason he left in the end, because they were not committed to him at first. Wiggins, he's not perfect, but he's got a lot of room to grow. He's very young. And I think I don't anyone who thinks that we should just let him leave has been playing a bit too much 2K and kind of thinks that, you know, we could go out there and sign LeBron when he when he leaves Cleveland, likely in the summer, it's just not realistic. And we've got we've got a good call. We're not going to break it up. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Tom, I mean, if you're put your put yourself in the footsteps of Andrew Wiggins right now, like a 21 year old, one of the young up and coming talents in the NBA, a guy who is pretty much destined to be to be a superstar since he was drafted. 
what what how how do you perform this year obviously with a new deal and, and sort of a whole new vibe around minnesota because they've got a new brand and they they're a bit they're they're alive now they're they're one of the buzzing teams of the league and it wouldn't surprise me if in a couple of years time everybody was suddenly a minnesota timberwolves fan but what what would you be saying if you were andrew wiggins right now i mean if i was andrew wiggins i'd be sort of obviously pretty happy that i'd signed a five-year deal um, after firing your agent <laughs> exactly after earning now you're earning about 30 million dollars a year i mean you can sort of relax in that sense um so that sort of allows him to sort of get used to playing with jimmy butler um i'm hoping sort of going into next season that timberwolves can get a lot better defensively um especially sort of through the sort of tuition that jimmy butler can give andrew wiggins because we all know that he's one of sort of the best um perimeter defenders in the league um, but yeah, I I really like his shooting last year. Um, I'd like to see him improve on that even better. Um, and yeah, yeah, I find it quite frankly amazing that last season the Timberwolves, like you quite rightly mentioned, were they were twenty fourth defensively. Like they were not a good defensive team. And and Tom Thibodeau is a coach who is like synonymously linked with being a good defensive coach. Like when he was an assistant in Boston. Those teams were really good grit and grind teams. Then he obviously joined Chicago and he turned them into one of the best defenses. Certainly we've seen in the last decade in the NBA, but it just didn't really click last season. I think there was a lot weighing on towns and a lot weighing on Wiggins, as we mentioned, but I think the fact that Wiggins progressed his offensive game is a, is a good thing because the defense is going to come. That's just going to be natural. Playing alongside Jimmy Butler is going to help. You know some of the additions they've made. Taj Gibson's going to be a massive boost to that team. Carl Anthony Towns is already like a top twenty-five, top twenty player. Like he he's going to be great in the NBA, and it's just a case of them getting better on that end because offensively, like they're more than above average. They were tenth last year in terms of offensive efficiency, so I don't think there's too much to be worried about if you are a Minnesota Timberwolves fan. We were tenth last year in offensive efficiency without any three-point shooters either. Yeah. So in th- in theory now that we've got Teague, who's a much better shooter than Rubio, I think he was fourth in true shooting percentage last year. We've got Butler, we've got Shabazz back, which I'm pretty happy for, and we're linked with Jermichael Green as well because Dante Cunningham just turned us down. But we're we're basically we we were tenth last year without any real floor spacing. In theory, if you now that we've added shoes, we should be pushing. I think top five in offensive efficiency. I think we're going to be that good uh, on the offensive side. Defensively, as long as we're middle of the road, I think we can be okay with that offense. So I'd like to see an improvement from 26th to something like 17th or 18th, and I think that's going to be enough. It's not the team Tom Thibodeau would like, but I think I think people wrongly sort of think that if the defense is bad, he's just going to go mental. Like he's he's actually yeah. quite a good, he's quite a good offensive coach as well. Like our sets were really good last year. I think we were tops top in points out of from out of bounds plays as well. So he knows what he's doing on that side of the ball, and I just think he's going to build a team around what he has. Absolutely, and I, I just think that it's all going to take time. You you can't expect miracles in in the NBA. Like not every coach gets the sort of situation that Steve Kerr got, where he walks in and he's got a championship roster consisting of what was then what three all three all stars at the time. Now it's four. Like it. It's an evolving league and coaches have to evolve and Tibbs has been one of those guys who's shown that he can evolve, certainly in the way he's he's coached players now, whether he'll whether or not he will take into account the fact that he should probably rest players a bit more. 
I don't know, but we'll, we'll just have to see. But I think Jimmy Butler coming across, he shares the same mentality. He's obviously coached by Tibbs. He progressed so well under Tibbs. Like, I think Chicago just couldn't believe quite what they got. I mean, they actually ended up with Derrick Rose in his prime, and you had a young Jimmy Butler who effectively came up and replaced Derrick Rose once Rose had the, the injuries. So you go out this summer, and in terms of like your mentality as a Timberwolves fan, like the additions you've made, are you happy with these additions, or have you been slightly disappointed? Um, I'm I'm pleased on the whole. I mean, I think going after someone like Carl Lowry was a pipe dream. I don't think it was <laughs> like I I'll admit I at the time was thinking, oh, we might have a chance here, but it was a pipe dream. I think we did the best we could. What's um, your honest, brutal opinion on Jeff Teague? Because there's a lot of people in the league who think he's a very mediocre player, or did he just have a bad year in Indiana? See. It's interesting if it depends on you speak to Indiana fans kind of say, Oh, he was good one week, bad the next. If you speak to Atlanta Hawks fans, they really like him. And to be honest, if you look at the um Indiana situation last year, I don't think he was even in like the top five problems. Yeah, they've got a horrendous coach. We haven't. Um I was slightly underwhelmed by it at the time, but I've actually, you know, looked at the stats and sort of how he does and I think he's gonna be happy to play off the ball. And actually, I spoke to a lot of Atlanta writers over the summer to sort of desperately try and make this sign and look good. And they all said he's a better defender than people think. He was alongside Kyle Korver in um, in Atlanta, who's a notoriously below average defender. And I think he had Monte, was it Monte Ellis they had last year in the backcourt of him? I mean, that's yeah. that's not a great partner. He's now got Jimmy Butler. So it should improve. A lot of people wanted us to sign George Hill, but I mean, I'll go into this more, but I think if George Hill was as good as people on NBA Twitter think he is, I don't think he would have ended up in Sacramento, if that makes sense. Because that was a really late contract as well. So I trust Fibido's, um sort of analysis and, and decision there, I think. Okay, so in terms of having to give him a win title this season, Tom, where would you uh, where would you stick them? I'm, I'm going to go fairly safe, I think. I'm going to go with around the 42 win mark, I think. Because um, it is a new team, like a lot of new people coming into the team, so I think it'll take them sort of more than one season before they actually start to properly gel together. Joe, what about yourself? I'm going 49. I think I agree that it's a new team, but I think we've got better players than sort of. I'm uh, for the perspective of this pod. I'm. I think the West has a clear top four. You can guess the first three, and it's the uh, Thunder. I think of the next sort of seven or eight teams, I think we've got the best players. We've got two top 20 players. Then you could probably make a case for Wiggins, Towns, and maybe Dieng being in the top 60 or 70 as well. So that's that's pretty good, and that's why I'm hopeful. But I, I probably should be conservative, but I'm going for about 48, 49. Yeah, I think I'd sit somewhere in the middle. I mean, it's obviously too far to, I think, predict 50. I mean, I probably went out. I can't remember what I predicted last year. I'll have to go back and have a look at the uh, the season guide. But yeah, I mean, Portland won, what, 41 games last year? And and they were a good team. They're almost, they're, they're pretty much as talented. They're, they're a level playing field with the Timberwolves, I think. I think this, well, the Western Conference, especially this season, is going to be an absolute dogfight. Like, it's just got better from, from top to bottom. But the Northwest in, in particular, and obviously one of the reasons we're, we're starting with this division is because this is a, this is going to be a division where every team could, could feasibly win 40-plus games depending on how, how their seasons go and whether players remain healthy, etc. So yeah, I'd probably sit around the 45-win um, mark for, for the Minnesota Timberwolves. But moving on to... Um, the Denver Nuggets, who unbelievably were the uh, third highest scoring team in the NBA last year, which was 
a shocking stat when when I when I read that. I, I did, I'm not going to lie. I didn't watch a lot of Denver last year, as I'm sure um, many people did. <laughs> um, Paul Millsap, obviously the big addition for them this summer, joins a really, really, really young core in Denver in the Mile High City. I mean, how do you think a veteran like Paul Millsap comes in? How do, how does he adjust? What does he bring to this Denver Nuggets team? I think more big man passing. That if you watch the offense, it's all about sort of motion cuts. Jokic is already a great passer. They've probably added like the next great big man passer in Paul Millsap. So the ball's going to be moving a lot. Um, He's a great defender, but I think people are overestimating that how that's going to impact this Denver team. Because like we just spoke about Minnesota. Minnesota's defense was bad. Denver's defense was... I mean, I watched a lot of college basketball last year. I watched some college teams who defended better than Denver. I mean, it was that bad. It was they, was, they just were slow to react to everything. Um, it wasn't yeah, anyone in, team in the league last year. It, yeah, it wasn't anyone in particular's fault. I don't think when you could ship that many points, you can go, "Oh, it's his fault." They were just all terrible. I mean, there was they didn't react. There was no structure. But one thing about Millsap is I hate to use the word gritty because I think it's kind of like used as a stereotype. But if you look, if you go back and look at the box scores, he's always got like two steals, one you know, one block. Uh, I bet if pass deflections were a stat, he'd have loads of them. So I think those little plays can kind of create a domino effect in the rest of the team. If that makes sense, I think so too as well. Um, I like uh, Paul Millsap as sort of a one-two punch for Jokic as well. As sort of you watched Jokic last year, and sort of he got he gets a tremendous amount of assists sort of from the post. And I think what a lot of people don't sort of see in Paul Millsap is that he does actually have a lot of three-point range as well. So that's sort of, um, I like the idea of sort of going at like a four-out, one-in, just having like Jokic in the middle, like spreading it out to likes of Jamal Murray, Gary Harris as well. But I'm, I'm excited to see Paul Millsap play for the Nuggets this year. Yeah, I think front in in terms of Denver's front court this season, I think they're going to be they're going to be really solid. I mean, they've, they've just managed to, well, obviously they they moved up, they grabbed um, Trey Lyles, obviously to bring him in and, and then they've they've gone and added that i think they, they signed mason Plumley this week i, I could be wrong but um yeah, yes, yeah i saw that they they brought him in and like he's a he's just a nice addition to bring off the bench obviously kenneth farid is still there and and they they've got a really stacked front court this season the, the question for me is just are they gonna all buy into the mentality of wanting to defend because certainly last season there were several players on that team who just couldn't be bothered one of whom was was traded in the end to portland um, but th- they had a great second half of the season last year, uh, and this year for me, like their their off season's been a little bit clouded. It's almost like they were trying to hit the big leagues by by grabbing a name, and they didn't quite get there, which is almost similar to what they did last year. So for me, it's just a case of where's the who's the unknown on this team? Like where's that extra? Because obviously Paul Millsap's going to be great. Where's where's the other guys on this team that are going to come up and help push them into serious play, playoff contention? Because obviously. Uh, Gallinari's gone. He, he, like they will miss his scoring. Like as as you know, many injuries as he's had and the problems he had staying healthy on and on the court, he did bring offense to them. I mean, are, are they going to replace that this season? Gallinari's a great player. He's I think the word underrated gets thrown around way too often. It's because he's, he's injured. He's always injured though, isn't he? Yeah, he is. But in our in our NBA player rankings, which probably be coming out in the next month or so. I've got him at 37. I think he's that good. I think he's so versatile. It's actually a, he's got a reputation of being a bad defender. I don't buy it. I actually think he can handle himself there. A lot of it is just motivation, I think. 
So that's a big loss. But I like Gary Harris. Gary Harris was also in my top 50. He was 50th ahead of guys like Devin Booker, Avery Bradley, Nick Batum. He was ahead of all those guys. And I think he's going to become the best off-the-ball threat in the league. Um, I think you've got that. He's great off cuts, off screen, spot up shooter. And I think when you have that in an offense like this, I just think they could be deadly. But my big worry is those wing positions. I'm just looking at their roster now on Wikipedia. Their wings are Wilson Chandler, and that's it. That's their only wing. Because Will Barton's, for me, not a wing. He could be situationally. Then you've got Hernan Gomez, who we don't know if he's going to be a small forward at this level. So I think. There's a lot of question marks on that side of the ball. Yeah, and we're in obviously. What's this? The third year of, of Emmanuel Moody? Like, are we going to get the the player that everyone was was kind of hyping up when he came into the league? He was still what was he 18 when he when he was drafted? Like, he had a good year last year, but I, I think it's time for him to to seriously step up because if not, then Gary Harris is obviously just going to secure those spots and, and Jamal Murray as well. The, the problem they've got is they're going to have to try and sign one of these guys at the end of the season and. I'm not too sure who you keep. I think there's going to be a lot of players on this roster just sort of go really going for it this year. Kenneth Reed, always a big question. Like, is he going to be traded? He seems to be the constant talk of trade rumours. I mean, is he going to finally go this year? Well, I've I follow a lot of Denver writers, and they've been. I'm not sure if you guys have seen, but a lot of writers are like doing their rotations for their teams. Yeah. I, about half of the ones I follow don't even have Fareed in the rotation. Wow. Uh, they just don't think that... Because they're obviously going to go small a lot. So Wilson you, Chandler plays, does he? Yeah, you've got Wilson Chandler. You've got Hernan Gomez as well, who, who they really like down there. And even if you want to go beyond that, they've got guys like Darrell Arthur. And when, when I said that, I just to people <laughs> laugh. But Darrell Arthur shot 45% from beyond the arc last year. Like I just think that's more valuable to that team than someone like Fareed, who is... I, I, I really like him. He's a high-energy player. He grabs boards, but... Does he offer that much offensively other than lobs? I'm I'm not sure he does. And I think in a system like that, where you've got Jokic, who's doing all his work sort of inside the mid-range areas, I'm not sure where Fareed fits. Yeah, he's almost sort of a a player who's going to play secondary to Jokic because if Jokic has a bad game, then he's there to sort of secure the ball on, on, on rebounds. But like Darrell Arthur's a really good, solid shot, actually. Like, he's been you know from his Memphis days to now like he's always just been a really good average sort of role player who who comes on and, and chips in with five six seven eight points a night and he does his job like that that's what you expect from from a backup um okay in terms of a a win sort of a ratio for these guys where are we going with this one I think I quite like them at, at 40 wins for this season which is what they got last season I think so yeah, same um, same as last season. Not not improved to uh, to the extent where they they could exceed expectations. I mean, they're still playing in the West, so like yeah. that's, that's usually <laughs> what I put it down to. Yeah, they'd be the three seed in the East. Oh, I, love, I love ranting about the uh, the conference problems. I've before we, <laughs> before you give yours, I've got them a slightly. I've got them about forty three. I've seen some people put them in the fifties, which I like Denver, but. I kind of think that that defense isn't just going to fix overnight. And mm. I'm going to use my own team as an example of that because ours didn't improve overnight. So I don't see how they're just going to. And I also think there's a big question mark at the uh, point guard position. I like Jamal Murray, but I think that system needs someone who can kind of slow it down. So yeah. we, could, we could be seeing big minutes for Jameer Nelson again. 
Yeah, oh, Jameer never goes away. Um, I, I'm going around 35. I think they'll they'll lose. I think the West has just got tougher this year. I think they're going to lose at least three or four more games than that they lost last season just in the conference alone. I know the Eastern Conference has got weak. You just expect to beat up on some of those teams, but you know it, you you can't just assume that you're going to walk over a, a sort of a dying dog, really. But the 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 West is has just got so tough. So I'm I'm taking into account that there, there's probably a couple of more losses there and I don't think they've improved all that much I mean their 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 biggest acquisition was obviously Millsap but besides that Gallinari going is a big big loss for them and I think Mike Miller um not our Mike Miller um I think I think him going as well is obviously going to affect the locker room because from all accounts he's an absolutely fantastic person to have around the locker room you know really helped with some of the the tuition and mentoring of some of those younger players they've got there um the Portland Trailblazers the Eighth highest scoring team in the NBA last season. I mean, they had a crazy end to the uh, second half of the season, where um, Nurkic came in and sort of turned the ship around, so to speak. He had a phenomenal, phenomenal sort of second half of the season. He averaged fifteen and ten in uh, twenty games, I think it was. He started nineteen of them, which is which is which is awesome for them in the fact that they've now finally got somebody who can anchor the low post and just be a real threat in the paint. The likes of which they haven't really had since. The Marcus Aldridge left them. So, is the Nurkic, Nurkic effect real, guys? Are we going to see this last for the next season? I think he'll be okay, but they don't have any depth. You know, you, you look at their team, so I'd guess the five will be Lillard, McCollum, Aminu, Harkless, Nurkic. Yeah, that's probably as good as anyone in the conference. I'd say that's, apart from the Warriors, I'd say that's as good as the Spurs Rockets starting fives. But then their bench players are Evan Turner, Shabazz Napier, Archie Goodwin. Um, Noah Vonley, yeah. Ed Davis, Myers Leonard. I mean, I don't really rate any of them. And I think that's going to be a big problem. Uh, Stotts will go with deep rotations because he doesn't want to wear that backcourt out. I think I think what we'll see is if you, at the end of the year, I bet we'll go back and look at the starting lineup sort of net ratings and they'll be top five. You'll go to the bench and they'll be like 28th. That just wouldn't surprise me at all. Tom, do you think we'll see, we'll see an improvement from the likes of CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard this year, or do you think one or two, or maybe well, possibly Lillard has just hit his peak? I mean, I don't expect them to get worse um, at all. Um, <laughs> I, I think they're both like amazing players. I love Damian Lillard. I think he's one of the definitely one of the top twenty players in the NBA. I think as a team, though, I mean, they they lost Alan Crabb. Um, he was one of the best three point shooters in the league, and sort of was a great backup. Um, filling in moments for CJ McCollum when he was off the floor. But I'm very sort of um, interested to see how Yusuf Narkic plays for the for the Trailblazers for a full season. Yeah. So like that'll be very very fun to watch. Well that's the problem with looking at his stats from obviously the end of last season. I mean I mean twenty games is not exactly a great pot to look at, but fifteen and ten is impressive over the course of those games. But put that into perspective, like if he plays 79 80 games this season that they they could be a lot lower but they could also be theoretically a lot higher i think he's a great player in the in the pick and roll i think he will help them in the pick and roll he's a great passer he's really good around the rim obviously that takes pressure away from Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum which is you know a bonus because for the last few years you've known how to guard the Portland Trailblazers like you just have to stop Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum because they just don't get any offense from anywhere else um i think Noah Vonley is coming up to a point where he's in obviously a contract year this is his time like when he was drafted people thought he could be 
something special in the NBA and it's not quite turned out to be that way. He obviously ended up going from Charlotte to Portland. Um, he had a good year last year. He had an incredible year last year after um, after the All-Star break where he played a lot more minutes alongside Nurkic. Um, I think this is like the, the year for him. If he if if Portland are going to make any serious waves this season, I think somebody like Noah Vonley needs to step up, or you know, someone on that bench like Evan Turner has to have a good year. Like, but how many times have we said Evan Turner has to have a good year the last six seasons? I don't know what to think of him. His his Twitter <laughs> game's don't great. Swear. <laughs> yeah. he's great on Twitter. That's probably about as far as good. I'll be honest. I liked the signing at the time because I kind of thought they dominate the outside. And he's a good mid-range shooter, but it just didn't it didn't quite work. I, I liked the idea, but the problem is it was a very expensive idea. It was a four year seventy million dollar idea. And I think when you when you come up with ideas like that, they have to work. And I I like how Tom brought up Crab because I agree he's a great player, but it's Crab the contract that had to go rather than Crab the player. It's just I really despair for this team. I do. I, I because he, yeah, but, they, yeah, because do... where are they going? Where like where are they going? Like the last few years, they've had no real direction. I know you've mentioned it on podcasts before. Like Damian, Damian Lillard and CJ, obviously your supposed superstar stalwart, so you're not supposed to move. But then midway through last season, rumors emerged that they were quite willing to feed offers for Damian Lillard, and obviously they had tried to trade CJ before that. So they're in a bit of a state of flux, really, aren't they? I think the question is, and it's something that Mike, our resident Portland fan, always says, is how how far can you go when your best players are a high-powered backcourt who don't defend? Yeah. And it's and it's not even a case of like I think a lot of people throw around the defense excuse you know, for guys like Mello and it's kind of overused. But trust me, it's real for Lillard and McCullum. They just can't defend. They're both under <laughs> two hundred pounds. They just they get destroyed by all kinds of guards. So. It's a question of how far they can go with this team. But what I would say is, if they'd not gone so stupidly into that summer when they signed Turner, Crab, and they handed out all those ridiculous contracts, they could have gone for someone like someone like Millsap this summer. Yeah. So I, I think they've got to keep trying. I don't think you break up. I don't think when you're doing well, you break up a core just because you don't you don't feel you can go all the way with them. Especially a team like Portland, they've always been quite good, but. I do question how far they can go. Yeah, I mean, defensively last season they were twenty-first in efficiency, which is which is obviously bad. Um, but I think Aminu, if if you know, touch wood, if he can remain healthy, I think he could at least help that a little bit. But like you said, they are just they're both sieves at the in the guard positions. Like they they can't stop anyone, and we we saw that in the we've seen that loads of times. Like they will go up against the Warriors, for example, and it just becomes a shootout because they they can't stop the Warriors. So they just have to outscore them, and unfortunately, that's the way Portland have have played the last few years. They don't really have that player who's just going to stop and and sort of like back when Wesley Matthews and and Aldridge and and that team were playing, and and Robin Lopez was there. Like they could grind out wins because they could get stops when they needed to. Now, and unless Aminu's going to you know have a really good year, I don't don't see where they get where they're getting those stops from unless. Well, I, I guess you, I guess you could say Nurkic could come out and have a really good defensive year, but there's a, there's still a lot of ifs with this Portland team. Um, in terms of wins, I've probably got them at the forty-two mark. What about you guys? I put them at forty-one for this season. Yeah, same here. I've got them at forty-one. I'm worried by the depth. 
And I'm actually worried about the front court as a whole. I don't think they've got the pick and pop for it. I think Nurkic can be okay as a role man, as a post guy. But if you've got that high bad pack backcourt you need a stretch for, they yeah. don't have one because Myers Leonard just hasn't developed. Then you've got the likes of Swanigan and Collins, who are both rookies. And Noah Vonley, I really don't know what to think of him either. So, yeah, yeah I'm I'm concerned for them. I mean, Collins, Collins actually had one of the best per 40 minutes while he was in college. I mean, it's in college, but... And he does sort of show that sort of stretch for potential, but like I mean, like you said, he is a rookie, so he's it, a he's a young rookie as well. He's only nineteen. It's very true. I, one well, they thing were I they were trying to go out and get um, Camelo Anthony at some stage this season, weren't they? But they've 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 not got anywhere with that. No, I think I think the guy they wanted was all along was Hassan Whiteside, wasn't it? Yeah, they wanted him, but if they got him, I think they would have been quite serious because he's. He's the type of he's the perfect centre for that roster, but with this current front court, there's too many question marks, and I don't think you can predict any of these rookies to make a big jump. Although that doesn't mean it won't happen. Yeah, moving on, the Utah Jazz, the one of the best defensive teams in the NBA, a team that we that has pretty much grown up as we have grown up as a podcast. Um, the rebuild started in roughly 2012, which was when uh, we first started podcasting, and. And the rebuild is was almost complete, and then um, and then Gordon Hayward went and left. I mean, how big a loss is Gordon Hayward this season, guys? Well, he was the entire offense. It was built around him. It was built around him being able to do a bit of everything. And I love Rudy Gobert. He's not the offensive player that people think he is. He's he's a good role man, and I think he's actually okay in the post. But I think the big problem that I think the thing was he was so good because of of the space he got in that offense because of Hayward. They don't have a focal point on offense now, in my opinion. And I think the defense will be really, really good. It'll probably be... I mean, I actually think you could argue they'll be top in defensive efficiency, but they could be last in offensive efficiency. I just... I don't see where it's coming from. Their staple play is going to be the Rubio-Gobert pick and roll. Ricky Rubio can't finish layups and he can't shoot from outside. Yeah, he's got a mid-range shot. You don't build a playbook around the mid-range shot in 2017. So I'm not convinced by this team at all. Yeah, I think Rudy, Rudy Gobert became the first player in, in history as well to finish in both the top three. Um, well, to finish top three in both categories, offensively and defensive, this this last season, which is crazy, really. He was number one in one category and number two in the other. So, But those stats, obviously, because he's a forward and a big, they're, they're, they're inflated because he spends a lot of his time just standing under the rim and... You know, there's not many people who can test a, a Rudy Gobert dunk, so you have to take a little bit of you know pinch of salt with with those stats. But it, I mean, in terms of finding scoring off the bench, I mean, could Donovan Mitchell, their draft player, provide that, or is this the year where we finally see you know Dante Exum's potential? Because there was one or two playoff games last season where we saw him, you know, come out of his shell a little bit. I mean, a lot of people talk about Dante Exum as being like a late developer. So it may be that he eventually does become the player that he was actually projected to be. But Well, this is effectively his second season, isn't it? Because he had a year out with his Achilles injury. So That's true. That's true. Um, and I mean, he showed like he showed a lot of promises um, in Summer League. But I know Joe loves to say it's only Summer League. But, um, <laughs> But yeah, I'm, I'd like to see him definitely make that step up. The, another player I'd love to see make a step up, especially now that um, Hayward is gone, is actually Rodney Hood, the Prince of Threes. Yeah, no, one of the be- one of the better uh, three point shooters in the league. 
And along with Joe Ingles, Joe Johnson, like there is a lot of three-point shooting on this team. And I think as long as um, Rubio, because obviously he's not going to suddenly become an amazing three-point shooter um, in the course of one off-season. So he's got plenty of guys to pass to. So I'm I'm intrigued about this team. But my worry is, is that, so if you've got all those three-point shooters, you really need someone who's going to drive into the paint and draw double teams. And I don't think he's going to do that. So it's going to be a lot of sort of standing around. I don't think they have a secondary ball carrier. I'm, I agree with you. I like Hood. One of my sort of takes for this year is that Hood average is over 20 points a game. I think just purely because, I think it's because of volume now. He's he's not just going to be that spot of shooter. He's going to get the ball. But I'm just, I'm not convinced by it. I, like The term I always use on this uh, podcast is side dishes to describe sort of new <laughs> players. So I'm looking at their their uh, ins. They got Ekpiudo, Fabo Cephalosha, um, Jonas Jerebko, and yeah, I think those were the three they signed when they lost Hayward. I like all of those guys, but they're not going to lead a team. They're role players, but you know it's called a spade a spade. That's what they are. I just don't know if there's that kind of focal point to build the offense round. Now Quinn Snyder is a top ten coach. Me, he'll change it, but that doesn't necessarily mean it will be effective. And I'm just. I'm not convinced they're going to generate enough points unless Mitchell is the guy he was in Summer League. And I can't predict that just because it's, it is only Summer League. I think I said to Mike, the last two Summer League MVPs were Glenn Rice Jr. and Kyle Anderson. I mean, I don't even know if those two are still in the league anymore. I was going to say, are they still in the league anymore? I don't know. I think, I think Anderson's buried in San Antonio. I, I, don't know where, <laughs> I don't know where Glenn Rice is. He could be anywhere. I don't mind the Cephalosha signing. Like, I think if you're going to build a team that is predominantly built around, you know, being the number one defense in the NBA, then he's going to add to it. But how old's he now? What, 33, 34? Like, he's getting on a bit. And this is the thing. Like, there's some old guys on this team. Like, are we going to get really good production out of Joe Johnson again? Like, is he going to come up and hit game winners like he was doing in the playoffs last year? There's there's a, a huge amount of questions with this roster because, like you said, it was effectively just built around one man who, you know, left them. So now Donovan Mitchell, if he comes out and if he does play well, like he's a, he quite clearly an adept pick and roll player. Like he, you know, I know Summer League, Summer League, but it's quite obvious that that's one of the strengths of his game. He's going to go into a perfect system here where that's going to fit him. But, you know, Rodney Hood, like you mentioned, like Rodney Hood was better last season when, when Gordon Haywood was on the bench. So... Hopefully this year is a year where he steps up. I think Joe Ingles is going to have a great year. He's going to justify that contract he was given. One of the one of the great Aussie stalwarts in the league at the moment. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know where they're they're sort of. Well, I do know. I wouldn't say they're going to be as good as they were last year. I mean, they won fifty one games last year. I don't think they'll get close to fifty this year. I mean, where are we going win total wise with the with the Utah Jazz with no offense? <laughs> I'm going to go 39 wins uh, with the Jazz this year. Oh, that's a bit of a drop. <laughs> yeah, so, um, I like again, I'm going to use my Western Conference excuse. And I think, like um, like we said, Hayward in, is a pretty big loss. Yeah, I've I've gone even harsher. And I know it could come back to bite me, but... you go I've gone with Minnesota, though, are you? I, I'm going with 35. I just, I think that, I think everyone around them got better. I think mm. even teams like Dallas got better. Sacramento got better. Like <laughs> it's in the. I mean, every team in the Western Conference got better. Even you know the Lakers, maybe not the. Did Sun. the Pelicans get better? Um, 
That no, but they've now fast. got. But they've got a full season of um, Rondo. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to talk about him. But I just, I, I think Utah. I mean, they've obviously gotten a lot worse. They've lost a top twenty player. You could push for top fifteen for him. He's that good. He's good at everything. He's a good defender. I'm just. I don't see how you can ever lose a top twenty player and come back and be really good again. I just. I don't see it. I hope they prove me wrong because they're my f- second favorite team outside of my Timberwolves, but I, I can't see it. I'm going to go with high 30s. I think it would be 38, 39. Like, I think Quinn Snyder is, well, in my opinion, I think Quinn Snyder is probably a top five coach. Um, I think he just, his background and his ability to, to know the players and to have taken some of these guys from where they were through two or three years ago to where they are now has just been, you know, one of the great basketball coaching stories. And I th- I think he's going to, they're going to surprise us. Like they'll be better than many people I think are expecting them. I think they'll they'll figure out their offensive woes at some point and uh, put f- some form of a, a run together. Right, moving on to the team that I know quite a few people have been dying to talk about. We've got the Oklahoma City Thunder, who obviously made the big deal in the summer where they surprised everybody, grabbing Paul George um, from under the noses of several teams, including the Boston Celtics and the Lakers, who were reportedly interested well the Celtics were interested but we only found out after this deal had gone through um so the big question here is can these two guys coexist I mean obviously Russell Westbrook coming off the back of an MVP season set the record for all-time triple doubles and and Paul George is now coming out and saying he's going to go for the MVP this year like is this going to work um yeah I I personally think it's actually the best case scenario for Paul George I don't think he's good enough to be the top usage guy on a team I think the shot selection's too poor at times. And I question, I think your best player needs to be able to distribute as well. There are some examples of where that's not the case. But for me, that is. Uh, for Paul, Paul George, certainly, it just kind of turns into his show at times. He's very, very good at it. But I think that's going to be better in this system where he's going. I think they're going to use a lot of small ball with him as the small ball four. And then Roberson and someone like maybe Alex Abrinas at shooting guard to sort of spread the floor. I think I think Billy Donovan will be happy because he can now run his system, whereas last year they played a lot of big ball. Um, yeah, I really think this is going to work. I, I don't know whether he'll stay beyond this year, but let's be honest, all they gave up was a horrific Oladipo contract. Mm-hmm. Sabonis, who we don't know if he's going to be good. And I think that was it, wasn't it, that they gave up? Yeah, and I think they've given themselves a really nice sort of curtain of protection, really, because they, they, they've signed Roberson to a three-year $30 million deal, which is fine for what he, he gives you. He's a fantastic defensive player, not so great offensive player. And then Patrick Patterson, three years, $16.4 million, is that's the most bargain. ridiculous contract of the summer. Like that's That's unbelievable that they've got him. So theoretically if they have a great season you know this team's still effectively going to be together it's just up to Paul George and Russell Westbrook to make their mind up as to where they want to play you know Russ has been quite adamant saying that he is going to be Oklahoma for life but whether whether or not he's being you know telling the truth or not we'll never know these days because player loyalties seem to be a bit all over the place but I think this is a a great combination I think they're going to get Russ is going to get more room Paul George is going to get more room and I think Russ's sort of lapses on the defensive end can be covered up by Paul George just because he's, you know, he's a big guy. He's gonna he's gonna add strength and depth to that position. And then they went out and got Raymond Felton as well, like who could be like a, a fine guy coming off the bench for them. The only 
negative for me really is that they lost Sabonis, who looked like he was going to be a really good young player in this league. But if you can, if you have one great year and that leads to you keeping Paul George, like you can't complain. I mean, they were the tenth best team defensively last season. They were seventeenth in offensive. I wouldn't be surprised if both of those went up with the acquisitions they've made. I, I wouldn't, you know, they could be top ten for both of those categories. Um, I think they might be stretched in fifty wins, like if it all works. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think they can definitely push 50 wins again um, or in this season. So the biggest thing for me about this team is like, and I'm not going to say that they're like, they're a deep team, but they're a lot deeper than they were last season. So the way I kind of see this is if anyone played 2K last year and you played as the Oklahoma City Thunder, all you had was Westbrook. Like, and then basically the the point guard that you had come on was Christensen. And like, now they've got, so now they've got Raymond Felton, they've got Patrick Patterson, Paul George, obviously. That gives them more scoring, more three-point shooting coming off the bench. It means that the whole load isn't going to be put on Russell Westbrook. So I'm, I'm feeling very promising for this team. It's almost like Russ needed that year as well, just to show everybody what he was capable of. So he's had his year. Now he's got the opportunity to show everybody else that you know he can actually adapt to a player who comes in and and will need the ball almost as much as he does. Like and Patrick Patterson for for the money that they got him for, like you've gone out and got yourself an elite versatile defender who's you know a a, a stretch powerful like powerful like he can shoot the three. He was a huge step like acquisition. Well, I say acquisition like he came out of nowhere in Toronto really. And, and help that team significantly. And I think he's going to be a real catalyst for this team. I just, like Andre Robeson, if he can get an offensive game and hit some free throws this year, like they could be really, really quite dangerous. And I don't think they will be a pushover by any means. I think Paul George is out to prove everybody wrong. I think Russell Westbrook's just out to, you know, do it all again. Like he's literally the ultimate FU player in the NBA. He just does not care about what anybody else thinks of him. And I, I would not be surprised if his team hit 50 wins this season, which is incredible, really, considering the the sort of the state, the deprived, well, the deprived state they were in when we reviewed them this time last season. Like many people just wouldn't even have them get in the playoffs, let alone, you know, sneaking in. What were they sixth in the end in the Western Conference, which was crazy. Yeah, they turned it round, and I think Billy Donovan was a dark horse um, coach of the year candidate. I just want to talk about Roberson, though. That was actually the move I didn't like. I think I love him as an elite defender. But I think Paul George is also an elite defender, and I don't think you need both of them. I think I think ideally they could have let Robeson go and brought in another sort of plus defender, maybe someone like CJ Miles, Jay Crowder, someone like that. I just I kind of think they've gone for a bit of overkill on the defense, which which makes sense to some extent. But yeah. I'm Ro, less Robeson is the worst offensive player in the league. I think I don't he doesn't have <laughs> he doesn't have a single offensive skill. Um, and I think that's going to really limit them in the playoffs. But one thing I will say, even if people do leave Robeson open, George and Westbrook can both take advantage of double teams. So I don't think I don't think it's going to hurt them. But I just think their seeding would have been higher if they'd let Robeson go. Okay, so to put a final stamp of a, a win ratio on this team, I mean, I've already said I'm 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 thinking fifty wins. Are you guys in the same ballpark or? I'm going to push the boat out a little bit. I'm actually going to go with 52 wins for Oklahoma. I'm I'm pretty high on this, them this season. Yeah, I've got about the same. I'll go you know, 52, 53. I think that if you look at it from a basic point of view, they've got two top 15 players and they've got 
a good coach. They've got good surrounding pieces, and I think the bench is much improved as well. Yeah. Finally, with um, regards to Paul George, if if they do have a great year, does he stay? Because obviously he's been quite adamant that he would like to play for the Lakers. This is, the, for me, the like of all the teams who were chasing him, this is the only one he, he'd stay at for me. I think this is the best situation for him because I don't think he can be the number one guy and sort of win, if that makes sense as well. Yeah. He can he can be the number two guy and win a hell of a lot of games here and compete in the postseason. So this, for me, is the only team that could have kept. I think other teams linked were like Portland and I think even Minnesota were ridiculously linked. He wouldn't have stayed either of those. So, yeah, this is the situation where he might stay for me. I think he's gone, if I'm totally honest. Um, I mean, the, ori- the re- original reason that he was trained in the first place was because he said that he intended to sign with LA. So, like, I mean, the tampering thing might come in and that might put the LA off trying to sign him. I doubt it, though. Um, I think yeah, that, he that won- fine that wasn't really a fine. Yeah, the fine that wasn't a fine. Um, I think he's he's very set on LA, whether LeBron goes there or not um, in 2018. Yeah, well, I, I'm a Lakers fan, so I don't really know what to think. Um, what his performances, certainly in last year's playoffs, like Joe was mentioning, he takes big shots and doesn't make them. So in my eyes, I'm not entirely sure I'd want him to lead that that young team. But if he's going to theoretically team up with several other, you know, or another superstar this sum- or next summer, then 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 why not? Like he's one of the one of the great NBA players in the league at the moment, but. If it all goes well, if they make a Western Conference Finals or something, like why would you go anywhere else? You're in a great situation. Russ is more than happy to commit to to Oklahoma City, supposedly. So we'll have to see what happens. Anyway, um, before we end, I just wanted to bring up the rather random news that we've spotted this year, this uh, this week about Kevin Durant subtweeting people from other accounts. Have you guys seen this? Yeah. What, what, what are your thoughts on this whole situation? Because he's come out in the last hour or so and said that it was him. And that he was being childish, he was being a bit stupid, he took it a bit too far. But, but, like, it must be so difficult being somebody in that position, being that famous, being in the media eye uh, all the time. Like, he's constantly in the spotlight. Like, you're gonna have to have surely other Twitter accounts just to to even be a normal human being. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's kind of like I don't mind him having another account. I mean, Adam Silver has another account, doesn't he? That oh yeah, everyone's been trying ago. to find that one. <laughs> so, someone did find but, that account actually. Yeah, I think I think quite a few people I follow follow it, but it's just <laughs> this is my issue with it. Kevin Durant, whenever people sort of go at him and say, "Oh, you're a snake," look, first of all, that's stupid. You know, it's I don't think anyone should take sports that seriously. But he always kind of goes, "Well, I've got a ring and an MVP. I don't care." If he's making other Twitter accounts to defend himself, <laughs> he clearly cares quite a lot what people think. And this is my big issue with him is that he acts. The work I re- I love him. I I think you can argue he's actually the only player who's even close to LeBron right now. Yes, but he's absolutely. Su- he, the worst thing that's happened since he's got to Golden State is this fake tough guy act he puts on all the time. And if you're making other Twitter accounts and speaking in the third person, going Kevin Durant didn't like <laughs> Billy Donovan. First of all, that's unprofessional because supposedly Donovan's a very nice guy. But secondly, it's just embarrassing. Like I'm a like if one of my Man City players was doing that, you know, put it this way: if any, if you know, you're a Norwich fan. If a Norwich player did that, they just get like bantered forever about it. Oh, yeah, Whereas Amer- yeah. Americans are kind of like brushing it under the carpet. It's like, yeah, I think it's really embarrassing. Like, we I'd have be, a bit of a different mentality for stuff like that, though. I think, don't we? 
Yeah, we do. I mean, we're but definitely the, but more aggressive, but I just... This isn't new, because I don't know if you guys... I'm sure you follow, follow him, guys, but uh, Royce Young, who's the beat writer for uh, ESPN for the Thunder, like he tweeted out like three or four years ago that Durant had played a game and that, I don't know, Skip Bayless had said something about him and he was like, oh, I can't believe he said that about me. So he went up to a journalist and said, look, when I do when I do my exit interview in a minute, can you ask me a question about what he said? Because like he took it personally and he had to have a go and, and get his, his views out. He seems like he's quite a, a vocal person and anyone who's listened to the Bill Simmons podcast recently will know that. Like He's more than happy to just go on and start rabbiting on and ranting and, and going off on things and it's just part of being human I guess so I guess that's why Americans especially seem to be a lot more willing to forgive um, but yeah I think you're right I think if that was something over here in this country with our with our sports teams you'd probably be a bit like well that's really 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 idiotic. <laughs> I, I'm kind of interested to be honest um, to see if there's actually any other NBA players that also did like or well obviously don't yeah. get caught in the way that <laughs> Kevin Durant does but like it would be really interesting to know sort of who does that, um, or if it is actually a widespread thing amongst the NBA is like um, them going through different comments on how they play and stuff and saying, "Oh no, this guy had thirty points on this day or whatever." Like that would be hilarious. It's not even like he could have even come out and just said, "Look, it was the guy who runs my social media account." Like that some of these players do have guys who run their accounts, like. At least he was honest. It's, yeah, it's pretty cool that he just came out and said, "Look, it was me." I got a bit carried away. Uh, you know, I've been a I've been a naughty person. It was, it was amusing. Right. Anyway, um, we will be back at some point in the next couple of days or the next week or so with the uh, next division preview. We're not sure what order these are going in yet, are we, Joe? No, no, I don't know. It's just going to be a bit of a free for all. But we're we're trying to mix up the rosters, aren't we, for all of them, so everyone gets a chance. Yeah, we're trying to get because this summer we've had quite a few additions to the double clutch sort of roster, so we're we're trying to get as many people on as possible. Obviously, Tom's on tonight. Um, I'd encourage you to go out and listen to your podcast, which I'll, I'll let you shout out in a, just a, a quick minute. But um, for us anyway, um, doubleclutch.uk is our new home. The website has changed. If you go to doubleclutchpodcast.co.uk, it will redirect you to the new place. So don't worry if you are still going to the old the old website it will change um in the next four weeks or three weeks as it is until tip off we will be working tirelessly on our 2017 to 18 season guide which will obviously be available on our website and on sites like Izu and stuff you'll be able to download that and look at that on your phone or whatever on your way to work in the mornings so hopefully we'll get that up as joe mentioned we've got a top 50 nba players which has been compiled by our lead writers so hopefully we'll get that up at some point over the next um month or so but we're, we're getting closer and closer it's, it's a bit scary now um okay tom do you want to shout out your podcast and where everybody can find you on twitter etc i'd love to so i've got a new podcast i've started fairly recently it's called the sixth man um we've recently started a new series called nba biased so the idea is that i'm trying to get as many people on and um, hopefully as much in the, in the uk as possible um, just to come on and talk about your favorite team so we've done two teams so far uh, we've done the New York Knicks and the Minnesota Timberwolves. So, Joe, we're gonna have to get you on this on this show just so we can hear you rant. Yeah, we'll go. We'll go Minnesota Timberwolves um, take two, shall we say? It, plenty of hot takes. We, well, the, the, this is the, the exciting part of the year. Like we do the previews and then we get to the regular season and we get Joe coming out of his hot takes and and that's what you know. For the last three or four years, we've been accustomed to to Joe hot takes. <laughs> I'm I'm very excited as well for our um, season 
uh, award prediction show. That is always my favourite. I actually enjoy that more than the NBA itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but apart from when you go back and you look at them and go, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus God, what happened there? Like, I think I put Miles Turner to be like most improved or something. Didn't think I got that. Didn't get, didn't get very close for that one. Um, but that would be another one. We'll be obviously sorting out rookies of the year and, and things like that because it's a pretty stacked category this year. Um, as always, the Twitter is at Double Clutch UK. Facebook's obviously Double Clutch UK. Um, if you are watching the games or in the next, if you are watching any games because obviously the preseason starts soon as well, um, please do use hashtag MA in the UK. We're trying to get a bit of a movement together this season. Us, the drop. The Undersized Basketball Podcast, Hard Adventures, like there's quite a few of us and we're all working a bit tires, tirelessly at the moment to um, to bring you as much NBA content as possible and obviously that will continue throughout the uh, regular season when it does come around. Anyway, I'm going to go to bed because it's, it's a bit late, um, so we'll catch you next week guys. Thank you for listening. Good night.